Hello, welcome to uh, From the Rookery, the 40th From the Rookery of this season. Imagine that, 40 podcasts. You don't have to imagine it. You've listened <laughs> yeah. to him. And thank you very much for listening, for yeah. listening to him. Thank you very much. Uh, with me this evening is Mike. Hi, all right. DCW again, David. Hello. Uh, and Kieran. Good evening. Uh, we're outside uh, Stamford Bridge where Watford have lost, but <laughs> this is the score I wasn't expecting to say early on. Uh, Chelsea 4, Watford 3. Dave, we, uh, we, we looked at the lineup uh, at the beginning of the game and with what looked like one up front with Niang, with a uh, tucked in behind him, Kapu, we weren't expecting a goal and we didn't sort of see a formation to begin with that was going to threaten for goals. We certainly didn't. No, I was expecting a comfortable Chelsea win, but I, I suppose they had players you wouldn't expect to play for them as well. Three former Watford players in their starting lineup, which we, which we didn't expect. But I think that game really was, was kind of like our season in, in microcosm, really. There were some great moments, some really bad moments, a red card and ultimately a feeling of what might have been. <laughs> I'm, I'm also, where did our goals come from, Mike? Well, there was a, a random header, wasn't there? A Kapu header, uh, yeah. a, Kaka, a lovely goal, for a second goal from uh, from Yanma, and uh, and a decent third from Akaka. I thought I've I've been sort of uh, damned him with faint praise perhaps in the past, but I thought um, Akaka came on and actually uh, did quite well. He um, he made the ball stick for Watford, and yeah, he made his his coming on coincided with our with our best little period. Uh, I would say we have to preface it. We can't ignore the uh, the elephant in the room that Chelsea fielded pretty much. Uh, it's a second string side, wasn't it? It's, it's pretty much. Yeah, they had the PFA Player of the Year. Yeah. They had Edward, uh, Eden Hazard on the pitch. Yeah, yeah so it's not like a, it's not, not, not rubbish. It wasn't their full strength squad, though, was it? Um, but you know, all the, yeah, um, let's not let's not uh, let's not pick too many holes in it. I think Watford did well. They were three-one down, and they came back to to three-all, which I think shows a bit of um, a bit of nous, a bit of gumption, which perhaps we've all felt has been lacking over the last six weeks or so. So. Yeah, ultimately, as Dave says, disappointing to, to let one in at the end there. And again, of course, it comes from a mistake. Kapu loses the ball in midfield. And yeah, as, as DCW said, our season in microcosm, it mistakes far too many of them and ultimately they cost us. Kieran, who stood out for you in that team that sort of maybe surprised you? I think Akaka was the one that surprised me because we've, we've been indifferent on him, on him, haven't we? He's, he's had moments where he's come on or started and he's not really had much of a, an influence on the game, but he came on and as Mike and I were discussing before we came on to recording, he held up the ball and when he actually was facing goal, he charged at that back four, that, that make-up back four, as we've said. And he was the one that impressed me, I think. He made things happen and we looked a little bit more of a threat. And we had a period when we brought it back to 3-3 where I thought, you know what, we might actually nick this one. But I think, as Dave said, pretty much summed up our season where it was a case of what might have been. Well, when you bring on uh, Cesc Fabregas and Pedro as your substitutes, I think we might make that as a, as a substitute, but I think uh, Fabregas will be about 45 years old uh, and he'll be, uh, yeah, and it's slightly weak in knees by then. We, you know, we, we're praising Akaka because he sort of, he went at it, he ran, and a goal from Yamak came running at them and maybe could we have got more if we did a bit more of that? Absolutely. I think you, you've got John Terry who's not played much football at all this season. He's still very good you know, winning balls in the air and good positionally, but he can't run. He hasn't been able to run for years. And we had Niang, who is quick, and he didn't... We was watching him in the second half. He was just sort of trotting about, wasn't really making any runs, didn't ever look to be available. He's not a central striker. It's probably not his best position, but it, to me, it looked like a strange selection, given given what we had in front of us. And I think if, we, if we'd started a car or... Or Dini, I think we might have had a bit more, more, more of a chance. I think you have to set up, bearing in mind, knowing that you're coming to Stamford Bridge, knowing you're playing the champions, they're going to be, whichever team they put out, they're going to be absolutely buzzing. They've won the league at the weekend and tonight was always going to be a bit of a celebration for them and you can play with a bit of abandon perhaps. And So I think you have to be wary that if you set up and go too gung-ho, you can easily end up on the, especially the way Watford have been playing, you could end up on the wrong end of a 5-6 of a niller. And I think 
uh, Matt Sawyer was obviously very, very wary of that. I think we were speaking to a couple of, uh, uh, well, the Messenger Brothers um, in the concourse behind, and they were suggesting perhaps we were setting up, uh, he'd been training um, as if we might need to get something from this game, if Hull had beaten Palace, for example. So maybe that was the, the setup we were, um, um, we were going to, this was the whole win scenario and where we need something. So I don't think you can blame us for, for not really going too gung ho and Akaka from the start. I think he's a better substitute than he is um, in the starting 11. But you mentioned running, at, running at, at, at teams. You always look good when you do it. And if you get an opportunity, you always take the man on because it gives, it gives them a question to answer. And I don't think we do that enough. I don't think we're set up necessarily to do it. Um, just let the shackles off because if you if you go for a run and you lose the ball, which uh, often happens, I'm looking at you, Nordin Amrama, um, <laughs> you're, you're set up for uh, you're, set, you're setting yourself up for four. And I, I think the guy who you looked looked to tonight to go forward, get the ball and really drive on, get yourself into a dangerous position, was Nordin Amrama. And I think to me, he just looked completely shorn of of any confidence. And all right, you're coming up against a decent bat line. You've got John Terry there. He's all elbows. You've got Kurt Zuma, who's a who's a big old boy. It's not easy. But plenty of times he had the ball, just get the afterburners on, give it a go and see what happens. Daryl Yanmat did it, scored. Uh, and he, and he, was more, he was more effective at any stage than Norden Amrabat, I thought tonight. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. So uh, we weren't the only uh, four here. There was another member with us, uh, Kieran, uh, Heather O'Reilly. She's an American. You bought an American. I did bring an American. We're, we're famous for some of our Americans, aren't we? Jay Demerit, Tony Miola, we were chatting about them with Heather, weren't we? Yeah, Heather's over here playing for, for Arsenal ladies. She wants to see some Premier League football. Obviously, I work in women's football, so I've been able to take her to a couple of games and, uh, yeah, had her first experience of Stamford Bridge, I believe. So we, we chatted to uh, Heather at half-time uh, whilst we were pondering uh, what would, wasn't going to be a seven-goal filler in the end. <laughs> Now officially have our most bling guest ever, uh, with two at least two gold medals. Uh, Heather, three. Okay, well let's do this. So, Olympic gold. Yes, Olympic gold. Uh, World Cup gold. Yes. Uh, now I don't want to underplay this, uh, Heather, but uh, anything else? Uh, did you win the uh, egg and spoon race or anything like that at school? <laughs> I used to win every year the turkey trot, which was a race in my hometown. And if you won your age group, you can get a Thanksgiving turkey. I won every year. I smoked it. Oh, right. So saving money for the family. Yeah. My Excellent. mom and dad were very happy about that. Was it live turkey? <laughs> no, I already did. <laughs> You're over here, Heather, uh, trying to get as much of uh, English football. For some reason, you've chosen to come to two Watford games. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I've gotten the, uh, the invitation to, a, to both a home and away Watford game. And uh, your, your current thoughts on the Watford team? I think they've had a solid season. I think that they've grinded, uh, grinded some decent results. And, uh, you know, they weren't in relegation zone much at all, which I think... Uh, Probably saved some grey hair on, on some Watford folks. So, uh, yeah, they, they had a solid they had a solid season. I think uh, I think they have a bright future. Watford tonight have started with one up front. So it's sometimes that's always a bit of a surprise to to supporters sometimes when you see a different formation. Do you sort of get that feeling sometimes when the coach comes up with a formation? You think, oh, the supporters aren't going to like that, or they're going to think that's a bit weird. Yeah, well, I think I think a lot of times like when when you only have sort of one striker up top. I think everybody thinks that that's showing less confidence, but I think as I've sort of matured in my career, I think sometimes sometimes you have to look at it differently, like you're really trying to expose Chelsea and give them a little bit of a higher line and then send your second wave of uh, midfielders through. So you can't always think of it as a defensive approach, and I think uh, sometimes that's hard for the observer to, to stomach, 
but uh, but but we're hoping that you know they can break down Chelsea's uh, very compact three five two and uh, and spread them out a little bit and then and get around them on the outside. So don't freak when you don't see uh, don't see many attackers. I was going to ask you what would be your halftime team talk. Is that kind of it? You're just giving it us. I think so. I think that uh, Chelsea has has gotten wide uh, on Watford a, a lot more than than on the other side. I think. Um, you know, nothing's worse as a wing back, as I know, uh, playing a little bit on the flank to, to have to track all the time. So I'd like to see Watford use their width a little bit more. Everything's very narrow, very, very central, and I don't think that they're breaking uh, Chelsea down a, a, as such. So if they can sort of send, spring some of their midfielders through on the width, I think they'll have a lot more success. So two Watford games in, do you have a, a sort of a player that you think, oh, I quite like the look of you? Is it, is it the good looks of Prudel, or is it the young talent of Decore? What, 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 what kind of players do you like? You know, what, what, your, what are your sort of favourite players to, to watch? I'll tell you my all-time favourite Watford yeah. player, the American, Jay Demerit. Oh, OK, no, that's just, just favouritism. Detroit boy. We did wonder if you're going to go for Tony Miola. What's wrong with Big Tone? <laughs> Tony Miola grew up in New Jersey, the same state as me, the great state of New Jersey, so I got nothing but love for Tony Miola. Uh, we, we've actually kept it. He might be in my phone right now, actually. I can throw Tony Miola a text and find out what his thoughts on the first half are. Definitely do it, and maybe we get do that, and we'll do it. We'll find out at the end of the game. <laughs> but as John alluded to at the top of the at top of the interview, you're like you're an elite sports person. You, you've been there, you've done it. If you could swap your Wikipedia page for someone else's, who would it be? <laughs> I mean, I guess you gotta say Lionel Messi, <laughs> probably the best footballer of all time. I would say, yeah. and many others would say as well. But you know what? He doesn't have a, a, he doesn't have three Olympic gold medals, and uh, so you know maybe he looks at my Wikipedia page with a little envy. <laughs> well, we all do. We all do. Is there anything particular? You, you've been here for a couple of months now, playing, going lots of games. Like what? Is there still something footballing you still want to do while you're over here? I'd like to see Arsenal take home the FA Cup. That'd be pretty awesome. No, but I've had a very comprehensive football experience here, and uh, I hope to keep it up. Just before you go, as a pro, what's it like watching a match? Can you actually enjoy watching a football football match? Yeah, I think so. I think I think when you're playing, you do enjoy it to an extent, but there's so much pressure, there's so much like preparation that goes into it. Sometimes like a game will go past and you'll be like, oh, that went by and you know so quickly. I think as a yeah, it's fun to be on the other side as a spectator every now and again. A lot less stress. We'll come to one more game this season. Um, one man we hope to be in that starting lineup to show what he can do is uh, Troy Deeney. But he didn't start today, Mike. He, uh, he, he came on in the 90th minute for a couple of minutes run around. Things aren't right, are they? Well, I don't know about that. I mean, it's very, very difficult. I think you can, things aren't right full stop over the last six weeks, two months, whatever you want to call it. The fact that before tonight we hadn't scored an away goal since Arsenal. We'd lost six in a, I think we'd lost six in a row without scoring. So yeah, things aren't right and I don't think it's right to point the finger and try and box it off as being Walter and, and Troy as the, as the crux of the issue. I think that's probably, to be perfectly frank, I think it's one of the least of our worries. I haven't, I've said it before, I haven't got an issue if my striker doesn't like my coach. I don't, I don't care. You don't have to like your boss. Turn up and do your job, both of you. 
I think if anyone's going to do it, Troy probably is. And I don't think Matsari could give two, two hoots if the players don't like him either, quite frankly. He's big enough and ugly enough. He's managed in some of the toughest leagues in the world. You know, if you manage in Italy, the absolute pelters you get over there, especially at a club like, uh, like Inter Milan, you know, he's got a thick skin, Troy's got thick skin. So I haven't got an issue there. What I do think, I, I suspect and I wonder whether, whether Troy's time with us is, is coming to, a, to an end and whether that's going to be the best for us and the best for Troy. I think we need to look forward. You know, there are a lot of people now we're, now we're safe. We're looking forward to the, pre, the Premier League season next year. What do we need to do to build? What do we need to do to make sure we don't see a repeat of this year? What do we need to do to, to get better? It'd be great to have Troy as part of the squad, but thinking about him, no, I don't think anyone um, feels any ill will to, towards him or anything other than gratitude. And with that in mind, I think would a move suit Troy as well? You know, one last potentially big payday with a signing on fee, get his get get decent wages at another Premier League club and make the most of his, his career. I, I hope not, but if you think of it really rationally and in the cold light of day, I just wonder whether whether we might uh, Sunday might be Troy Swan song. Don't know. I'd like him to stay, but because we I listened back to uh, the first podcast this season and it was like, oh, thank goodness he stayed. It was a, there was a worry about him going, and it's interesting how the season sort of panned out and how Watford had developed. How actually we can almost have that this conversation with uh, not being too panicky about about losing someone like Troy. But Kieran, if we lost him, what would we? What do you think we, we would lose? What would we lack as a, as a as a club? I think probably leadership and continuity. I think what you said there about being pleased that he was staying at the start of the season. We've seen a conveyor belt of managers. We've seen a conveyor belt of players over the last few years. Troy Deeney has been that stability and that continuity that we've had over the last few years. And, and I think Mark's, Mike's probably right. It could well be time that he actually does look for another another club and, and get that last shot at a Premier League season with a, with a different team. Because, you know, sometimes players can go dare I say stale and it could well be that, that Troy's kind of reached the end of his time here I hope not as Mike said I hope that he continues to stay but I'll be honest I don't see Walter and Troy here next season I think one of them will be gone and, and if the, what, the manager's still here then I don't think Troy will be I think we do have to be very very careful I think Kieran's stocking it there the continuity is something that we have been severely lacking there has been no common thread apart from Troy perhaps Aurelio um, you know that it really isn't you know, you've got people like Ben Watson and perhaps Craig Cathcart, but are they big enough characters in the dressing room to shout down? You know, Barami, you know, Niang. These guys have got incredible experiences. Such a cosmopolitan mix, and I think that is the one thing that we need to be careful about. It's almost like um, it's almost like in the Ryder Cup, you have non-playing captains, don't you? And it's all right. We accept he's perhaps we're not going to get 25, 20 goals out of him again in the Premier League season, but is he worth? You know, do we need him for that? And I, I think if we're keeping him for that, that's the wrong reason. Yeah. But I do worry if we do lose him, it, what else we lose apart from the on pitch? I know some people there's been a few murmurings about he's very quick to, you know, brand Troy and all stuff. I get that he wants a career in the media. All power to him. I've, I've got, I haven't got an issue with it at all. But some people perhaps are, don't know, maybe think he's a bit too big for his boots. We hear too much from him. Personally, I think the way Watford is, we've needed that, and we've needed certainly this year more than ever. We've needed a link between the foot, what happens on the pitch, and what and us in the stands. And like it or not, Troy Troy delivers that. So that is my big fear. That contribution. Tough question, Dave. What do we gain by losing Troy? We'd probably gain still a pretty reasonable transfer fee. I think he's under a long contract. He's the, there are admirers out there for him. I think Tony Pulis has been a, a, a public sort of fan of his, he's been linked with West Brom, 
who's linked with Leicester last summer. Maybe they'd still be in for him in the summer. There, there'd be decent teams that would be after him. The Pozzos might look at it and say, well, he's not probably going to get any better for us. So maybe if we can get 15 million, 20, probably about 20 million in today's market, why don't we take it and reinvest? But the, the big gamble is, is, is it worth getting that money in and reinvesting it for what you will potentially lose off the pitch as, as Mark and Kieran have just been saying it, it, but actually I'm not saying I don't know the, the dressing room but actually sometimes if you get a big character in any business in any group you can't change that group unless that character changes and I always wonder a bit with Troy he's such a big character and having been in other situations not in this situation of course that maybe he's could he be too big a character? Maybe losing that character might be able to remould the whole squad. Yeah, possibly. I, th I think we we are starting to come to terms with the idea that Watford will go on without Troy Deeney because we, he's been so central to everything we've done over the last four or five years. We, you know, you can't imagine a place without him. But he's, you know, even if he stays with us till he's retired, like he's going to leave one day. He's not going to, you know, there is there is a shelf life in every single player, and at some point we're going to have to move on. And I suppose. That's what the Potsos are there for, to make the choice, to make the call when the right time is to, to move him on for what's best for him, for what's best for the club. And every summer, it's they've deemed it important enough to give him a new contract. And I think they'll have the same decision this summer, whether to keep him or whether to let him go. And it's, it's a big call. We've, I mean, we've, we've fixated on Troy a little bit, which, which I think is fair. It's, a, it's a, the right discussion to have. But I, what I would say is we're at the tail end of the season and what we know for a fact and Dave said there it's a difficult decision we've got a lot of difficult decisions to make the club have got a lot of difficult decisions to make that they, they have to get right because exactly the same as happened last year happened again we had a decent start -ish to start to the season and we've tailed off badly we've been appalling for, for far too long yes it's a difficult division yes you're playing against teams fighting for stuff I accept it's difficult but we have had a very 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 tough you know last six games it hasn't really been good enough I don't think so the club have got difficult decisions to make. Troy's one of them. The head coach is, a, is another one. And they have to, have to, have to get recruitment right this year. Um, I think we need, we need strengthening to, in, in defence, in midfield and strikers. We need, a new, we need new talent, but they have to get it right. Because if we don't hit the ground running like we have done for the last two seasons, we've shown that it's difficult to turn around a ship that's headed in the wrong direction. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting, as always, summer ahead of us. But they've got massive decisions to make, lots of, lots of them. And, uh, yeah, no reason to expect they won't get them right, but it's going to be tough, I think. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. I don't want this podcast to be negative. We're just talking about things, get them out of the way. So when we get to the next podcast, uh, the home game, Man City, it's, it's going to be our top ten of the season. It's going to be a celebration. So let's get some other you know, negative, but let's, let's do it in a constructive way. We're going to get changed. We've got used to this. Uh, in the column we've got in the, this uh, latest edition of Golden Pages, we talk about the, the players we definitely do not want to sign at Watford. And you get a copy of that uh, this, Saturday, uh, this Sunday at the Man City game. And we, we talked another column actually in, in a Golden Page about how successful the, the Pozzos have been. And Mike, you've already said how, how successful they've got to be. Who are you going to get rid of? First people you've got to get rid of. Is there someone who you're thinking, thanks guys, but it's time for us to move on? There's one who particularly shines this, this evening. David. This may be clouded by what I've just seen for the last <laughs> 90 minutes. but, but I, And before I say it, I will say that it, it is really difficult because you could make a constructive case 
to get rid of pretty much every player in the squad or, or to keep every player in the squad. They've all shown at points that they're good and they've all had some absolute howlers at times as well. I think if I had to choose one, I'd probably go for Amrabat. Maybe it's a bit harsh because he's been played in a sort of defensive wing-back role for most of the season. That's probably not his best position. He's clearly not much of a defender, but I just don't see enough end product from him. He never doesn't seem to want to go outside of his man anymore. And when he does, the ball doesn't often you know, get delivered to the right areas. And he's never scored for us in one and a half seasons. He's, I don't think he's got that many assists. I don't really see what he's bringing to the side. And I think for th he's 30 years old. He's got a pretty patchy career record. I don't think he's going to get any better. I'd move him on and get someone better in his place. That was all too clear, I think, uh, the, this evening. The decision-making wasn't the best. Mike? There's a couple of, couple of controversial ones. I didn't like the cut of Niang's jib tonight. I think the way he sort of mooched around when the, when the game seemed to be going against us was, was disappointing from a man who has shown us he's got a lot of skill, talent, verve and joie de vivre. And it just uh, it frustrates me when players... I know you're not allowed to play by opposition players, but... You know, too many of them leave, leave leave stuff out there on the pitch. I don't think we're getting 90 minutes from from a lot of these players, and I'm fascinated to see whether um, whether Niang's retained. I think he could do a job for us, but if we said we've said before, this last couple six six seven matches be an audition for for Matsari, it is for for players like Niang, and I don't think he's doing himself any favours, albeit being played out of position. And what about Kapu? I wonder a similar a similar thing. I think. I've said it time and time again, and I think he could play in any team in the Premier League if he performed to his peak performance every week in, week out. It was better from him tonight, but again, there's there's too many mistakes, and he just doesn't turn it on often enough. He's been I'm, better this season, though, I think, than last season on the whole. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't think he's for what he can do. I don't think we get enough out of him, and I don't think that's that's right. I think as the game wore on today, you, it started to look like an end of season game, which to be, give them credit, they actually did work hard for most of it, but. Once it goes against it too easily, 15 minutes to go, they all started looking like, oh, this is a bit too difficult. And I don't want players who exude that sort of um, attitude in my team. I don't want to see that. I do, you, know, you need to give it all. Even if you think it's a lost cause, you need to be giving it everything for 90 minutes. Um, I just don't know whether we get that from Kapu and whether we ask someone like Decore to step forward and we build a midfield around him, make him the main man. Because um, Kapu has been, you know, because he's great. We know what he can do. He hasn't done it enough. So I wonder whether it's time to let Kapu go. Attacking uh, midfield. Is there any anyone defensive you would uh, let go, Kieran? Do you know what? I was actually going to go defensive as the other two had gone yeah, yeah. midfield and attack. I think before I do that, I think what's interesting with, the, with what the boys have said Amrabat was being considered before his injury for potential player yeah, of the season. Yeah. It's just the way that he's fallen away. Same with Kapu. Kapu started the season really well. I think what I've seen this year and last year is that we haven't got a full season out of a lot of these boys. You know, some of them have started really well, fallen away. Some of them didn't start particularly well, maybe gained a little bit of form at the end of the season. I think for me, the defence is, is too is too old and too slow, is, is my honest assessment of it. I look at the game sometimes this season and we've been absolutely burned by pacey strikers. They're all most of them in, are in and around the 30 years of age mark. I think we need some more youth there. I know Cabaselli is is in his early 20s, but I'm, I'm not sure whether he is going to maybe give him another season to see how he can cope. But I'd probably look at players like Miguel Britos, Eunice Kabul. I know Kabul had his injury and hasn't had a chance the back end of the season, but I'd be looking at some of the older boys at the back. I want to bring in some youth, want to bring in some younger players who can maybe match up to some of the speedy strikers. We know what the Premier League is all about. It's about athleticism, it's about pace, and I think we lack it at the back. I, I go along with that and I think it's quite a damning indictment that a lot of the games have felt like cup games this year and that we felt like that we've been hanging on a little bit and certainly I think Kieran's point about the defence being sort of slightly sluggish and 
you know, we've been unlucky. We've had to mix and match that defence. We haven't had any um, any consistency there from a personnel point of view, which does make it difficult. But all too often, it just looks like a bit of class comes on and there's a decent ball and they change the angle or they pick up the pace or something. And we look flat-footed. We look too easy to... Um, too easy, easy to get through, and I think, yeah, I think Kieran's absolutely right. I think we need probably need wholesale changes. I thought Pruder was good tonight. I haven't seen the replay, but I, I think he was probably unlucky to get sent off. I think Pedro made the most of the uh, of whatever connection there was, but I think he's okay. Britos has looked wobbly, hasn't he, this year? So whether whether we need a replacement for him, Holobas and Yanmat, I like them. I think they give us stuff going forward again, but it's just getting them in their right place. Holobas on the left, Yanmat on the right. I think he's going to be making me a lot happier, and the opposition defences are a lot more unhappy. So. Like I said, we've all you could name. Dave's point is a great one. You make a great case for them all staying. You could get, make a great case for them for, for any of them going. I think, and that's why it's going to be another fascinating summer. And why, like I say, difficult, difficult decisions. But we shall see. From the rookery end, one game to go. It's at home against Manchester City. Is this? The worst end to a Watford season. We haven't won, haven't scored, things aren't going well. Is this the worst end to a season you've ever experienced, Dave? I, I don't think it, it can be. I know it's it's ended, it's petered out somewhat and we were going to stay up in the end, I think, only by a couple of points. But we are staying in the Premier League. We have stayed in for, for the first time ever in the second season. It's our first ever second season in the Premier League. We're going to get a third. You know. In, in my sh relatively short history of being a Watford fan, I can think of much worse ends of the season. The, the 07 08 under Boothroyd was terrible. The, the Huddersfield game in the Sanino season was awful. And well, there's been relegations. And, you know, I know, I think sometimes relegation not, is not as fun. But there's a point where once you get relegated, the game's afterwards. Once, like, remember when we were Aston Villa last year when they came to, to Watford? They were having a great time. The last couple of games were a little bit of fun. And I, I don't know, this is. I, I was surprised at how They'd long now. they'd swap now, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. but I, I was really surprised at how like squeaky bummy time it's been, Mike, for the last couple of weeks, and that that's really not been fun. Looking over my shoulder for for, for losses and the rest of it, you know, and, and the odd win and no, it, it hasn't been fun. You're absolutely right. It's been it's been it's been difficult. A lot of people have been very clear that we've got 40 points. That'll be enough. And um, I think Stuart Hutchinson did a did a list of the results that had to come in for us to get relegated. And it was very unlikely that having got to 40 points, we were going to go down. But you're right. It was it was uncomfortable. And I think I don't think that does us any harm at all. I think it's a it's a it helps us realise just how difficult this division is, just how quickly things can swing around, um, and just how much we still have to do to establish ourselves as a as a comfortable Premier League squad. You look at um, Stoke, who you know people are talking about Mark Hughes losing his job. They've had a in in, in quote marks a terrible season. Never in doubt they're going to get relegated at all. So, you know, absolutely solid as a rock throughout. Not their greatest season, but never in danger of going down. And you cannot say that about us, really. Um, so we're still in that sort of lower echelon with, you know, Swansea, you'd imagine, are going to struggle again next year. If, if things that we don't get things right, we'll, we'll struggle. The guys who come up will struggle. We're still there. We're still, and I think this, this end of the season, to answer your question, I don't think it's the worst season, but uh, into a season, but not by a long chalk. We're staying up. We're in the Premier League. We've just been at Chelsea on a Monday night. It's been a decent enough. Uh, it's been entertaining as a football supporter. If you can't go and watch a game like that and take some enjoyment from it, then it's probably about time you went and did something else instead. Um, I, I just want to talk through the, the process and to make sure that we're all saying cathartic for, for me and yeah. But, but if we're going to finish it on a high, which by the way I did really enjoy tonight's game. It was actually good fun and the, 
three, getting the three goals back, being where we are, until that last goal, it was, this is just great. It's been a, what a fun evening this has been. Yeah. It didn't end up that way, but that's, there was a while there where it was. Kieran, what's going to happen on sun, uh, Sunday against Manchester City? So we go, what a fantastic end to the season. What would, what would have to happen? Be competitive. I'm not necessarily looking for us to win. I think safety was the most important thing, but I would like to go against Man City and, and do what we've done today. You know, I would like to give them a game. I would not want to roll over and just allow them to, to stamp all over us. I want us to go into that game, last home game of the season. You know, every game this year, I'm, I'm not a season ticket holder. And every time that I've looked on the the ticket website on the Watford online it's pretty much sold out every game I want the Watford fans to be treated to a good performance you know we know that some of those players are not going to be there next season they owe it to the supporters in my view to give them a good performance and I will say one thing if you're talking about positives Tom Cleverley for me has been a massive positive coming in the second half of the season he was running around all night tonight as well again I would be looking at him and Decore as players to build the team around next year and, and if, as long as they put a competitive performance in on Sunday against Man City then I'll say, look, you know, it's not been a terrible end to the season. It's not been great, but there's been worse, as Dave said. Maybe Tom Cleverley uh, will make the top 10 uh, on, on Sunday's podcast. Who has to score a goal for it to be a ridiculously uh, great end of the season, Mike? I want Jose Holobas to get another one because it'll be an absolute corker. Um, and then I want uh, Mbai Niang and Etienne Capu to prove me wrong and get a hat-trick each, please. <laughs> Gomez. <laughs> Take a penalty. Yeah. So get that one in the books. Um, can, what we, can we predict the uh, can we predict the formation though? I don't think there's any formations left on the Opta database that Matsari hasn't <laughs> hasn't tried, has he? Um, sort of like one one one. No, no, no. Yeah. So I just think you you hit the nail on the head. Fun. It hasn't been fun. It hasn't been. But football isn't. You know, football is can, is a trick. Should be though. Surely. Yeah, but it is often it is attritional. It's tough. It's nail biting. It's taxing. It's worrying. You know. I'm sure I'm not alone. Uh, uh, when things aren't going well or you're uh, you're getting trying to get promoted, I lie and wake uh, wake at night. I'm nearly 40 years old and I worry about <laughs> a, a, my football club. Um, it's, but it needs to. It does need to be fun. There hasn't been enough fun. Um, and I think the, the performance on Sunday, whatever the result, we need to send Watford supporters away with a spring in their step, some hope, um, a reminder as to why we all got into football in the first place, a bit of a connection, a decent atmosphere, uh, as Kieran says, a competitive, decent performance. Let's go into summer, have a decent break, having reminded ourselves why we love football and why we love Watford. We do love Watford uh, and we'll be celebrating that. We've done all the negativity, for the, that's it for the season on the podcast. Sunday will be our top 10 of the season. Any suggestions for the top 10 game, the top 10 moments, the top 10 anything from this season, uh, drop us a, a tweet at Watford Podcast or an email podcast at fromtherookerend.com. Thank you very much, Kieran. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for Heather for, uh, for getting involved. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, thank you, David. Pleasure. Come on, you horns. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end.